0: Well, you should begin a sermon as you uh, mean to go on. And so I hope you'll allow me to start in a slightly odd place by quoting the lyrics of uh, a song from a genre of music known as Dad Rock. Okay? Dad Rock is a genre of music that is sung by uh, middle-aged dads uh, to remind them of the, uh, the good old times. Okay? So this is the lyrics of a song by a band called The War on Drugs to, uh, to help us set the tone. I'm moving through the dark of a long black night, just moving with the moon and the light it shines. I'm thinking of a place and it feels so very real. I'm just moving through the dark. What do poems do? As Marcus said, this summer we're in the book of Psalms, uh, looking at these ancient poems of the Israelites. They were written by kings and music directors, and as I've just said, they've been sung by God's people for millennia. So let me ask you if these are the poems that we're looking at, what do poems do? If you've been coming to church for a long time, Uh, you've been a Christian for a long time, you'll be familiar with the Bible and how it works. Um, And it works in different ways, different genres. Sometimes, Scripture can be like a scalpel. It can open us up, and it can tell us the truth about ourselves. And let's be honest, sometimes that's painful. Sometimes, Scripture is like a trumpet. It declares amazing things like a beautiful fanfare, and we hear it ring out. Now, I think psalms can do both of those things, but I think psalms and poems can do something else. In fact, I think psalms can often be more like watering cans. What do I mean that psalms can be like watering cans? Psalms deal with the innermost things of our hearts. There are things in my heart, and in yours as well, I think, that are buried deep within us, like seeds like flower seeds they don't come out often do they Uh, these uh, dreams these longings these hopes these questions these fears it's like they're deep down within us buried under earth so how do we know that they're there our lives are lived in the day-to-day, groceries, emails, the school run. But beauty and poetry can water those seeds of desire so that they sprout and come to the surface so that they're visible. Think about it. You know it's true that when you go to a concert or a gig or the movies, that your heart beats just that little bit faster. When I go to gigs, uh, I'm in my 30s, I see other dudes in their 30s, and uh, they're not the most emotionally expressive of people generally in life. But when the music starts, the heads start nodding, the feet start tapping, the hands go up, and sometimes even these dudes in their 30s, they sing. That is desire. That is longing, rising, to the surface. So you see, we ought to pay attention to poems, to how they affect us. They might not give us instruction directly, like other bits of scripture do, but they're important because we're dealing in poems with desires. The poet William Carlos Williams said this, it is difficult to get the news from poems. Yet men die miserably every day for lack of what is found there. If you want meaning and beauty, then look at poetry. And if you want real meaning and ultimate purpose, look at God's poetry that he has given to us. My prayer for us today is that God would bring these desires to the surface for us and that we would sing them into shape, the shape of the poetry that God has given us. So let's begin this poem, shall we? And let me ask you, where did your mind and heart go as you listened to Psalm 121? Do you feel intrigued about who this poet is, where he's going? Do you feel a sense of fear, of intimidation Uh, At the mountains, the mountainous terrain that he describes. Do you feel pity at this tiny figure who appears to be so small in his surroundings? Let me me point something out to us. Uh, Mark mentioned this is a psalm of ascent. And so all of the emotions that this psalmist feels and that we might feel as we read it are in the context of a journey whether it's fear, intrigue, or or something else, there is a deep sense of longing that underpins this psalm. The particular longing that emerges on a long journey. A longing, as that song that I started with said, a longing for a place. This is a song of longing. I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Picture it. The sky is the color of bone. The desert stretches to the horizon where it shimmers in the heat. A solitary figure leans on a staff, and his eyes squint in the burning sunlight. From behind a headscarf, the man gazes out across the plain. I lift. My eyes up to the mountains. And we start this psalm with this incredible, cinematic-even image. A traveller on a long journey, turning their view to the peat of a mountain range. Who is this person? Well, you see, this poet is a pilgrim. He's a foreign resident. He's from out of town. And he's a pilgrim who is ascending. A psalm of ascent. Where is he ascending to? Well, the songs of ascent were sung by the Israelites, like this pilgrim, who faced long and arduous journeys every year to Jerusalem. They would make these journeys from their homes, though they were dangerous journeys, to celebrate the Jewish festivals in Jerusalem. And like all good stories, we meet this character in the middle of the action. In Psalm 120, he set out from his uh, home, In Psalm 122, the next psalm, he will arrive at his destination. But here in Psalm 121, we are with the pilgrim mid-journey. He's ascending up to the city of Jerusalem. He's on the road, but he is not yet at his destination. But he is longing for it. And of course, if you're a Christian here today, this is like your journey. You have been called by God. You are journeying through this life to the new Jerusalem and up to the ascended King, the Lord Jesus, who is now seated at the right hand of God the Father. But, you're not there yet, are you? We're mid-journey, like our friend here in the psalm. And so you see his song is our song, and his longings, our longings. I don't know about you, but I picture this pilgrim, and he's wondering where the paths will take him. I feel that sense of longing to be there at my destination, and I feel that sense of tiredness and ache, the tiredness of the legs, as they keep taking steps along the winding path. A few of you know I started running a couple of years ago. It must be said I am not a particularly impressive runner, but nevertheless, um, and that feeling that I get when I look at my watch, and I feel like I've been running for miles and miles and miles, and I've only done one, and I kind of look at my watch through the sweat, and it's like, ugh. That is that tiredness that he feels. And it isn't just physical, it's emotional. It's that sense of weariness on the road, the longing to be in the place where I belong. Now, we live in a world, don't we, that more than ever, if you look out at the world, it, it seems to be more and more like a long, open road. We can go anywhere that we want to. We can go however fast we want to and we can go whenever we like. We're confronted with an open road, and our culture says to deal with this deep sense of wanting to be where we belong, you need to actually just get out on the road and travel constantly. You don't need a destination. You need to go and find yourself out there. Just enjoy the ride. After all, no one really belongs anywhere anyway. I told you there'd be some dad rock in this sermon, so here it is. Bruce Springsteen sang in Thunder Road, roll down the windows and let the wind push back your hair. That is the sense of exhilaration that the world tells us that we can find out on the road. Or Steppenwolf, uh, born to be wild, get your motor running, head out on the highway, looking for adventure in whatever comes our way. Sounds exciting. Freedom. Exhilaration, motorbikes, what's not to love? Give me the open road. And think about it, today, you can literally be a digital nomad. If you're getting itchy feet about where you are, up sticks, hit the road, find a better place. And if you don't like it there, well, just move on. But even if we that's not you, you're not backpacking around Malaysia or whatever it is, we can settle into what I would call open road thinking. Our lives don't need a direction. They don't need a destination to find out who we are. We can find out who we are on the road. We can be footloose and fancy free. I'll find myself on the road. It's tempting. It's tempting, but artists and poets, deep down, know that it's not satisfying. Bob Dylan very famously warned us that if you live like a rolling stone, There might be no direction home or to return to the war on drugs. You can tell they're my favorite band, can't you? Uh, This is what the, the lead singer asks in a song called Old Skin. Oh my goodness, where do I belong? Can I make it day to day? I was all alone at the starting line when I watched you slip away. Now I'm on the run, babe, and I don't know why, but the fear it gets too much to take. It doesn't matter just how hard you try when you feel so far away. Songs like that, I think, capture the sense of loneliness in our world that says that you don't need a destination, you don't need to belong. We can just live our lives constantly in a state of flux. Sooner or later, we will all ask ourselves, where do I belong? Have you ever fantasized about an epic road trip across a continent? Have you ever amassed a list of places that you want to live and experience before you're 25, before you're 30, before you're 35, before you're 40, or whatever age is applicable to you? Go anywhere. Go everywhere, the world will tell us. You don't need to belong. Or maybe you look at your life and there are so many options that you could do with it. It's thrilling and exciting, the freedom of endless choices. I could be a pastry chef, an installation artist, and a nuclear physicist. I'll try it all. Don't mishear me. These things are not bad in themselves. Travelling, motorbikes, being a pastry chef, none of it's bad. But if we live our lives believing that the endless road and endless choice will give us freedom and happiness, we will reach the mile where we wonder, where do I belong? Maybe you already know that. Maybe you're two steps ahead of me. Maybe you know that the shine comes off the open road. We hear repeatedly that people who come to London looking for adventure, quicker than they might expect, feel lonely. Why? Because though there are hundreds of thousands of people around them, they feel like they don't belong to anyone. Is that you? You're here, but you feel dislocated. Or maybe you're just like many other ordinary people. There are so many options in your life, or there are too few options in your life. You just feel directionless. Where is this all going? You're twisting in the current of life without a rudder, or a guiding star. In contrast to all of that, this is a song that tells us that we do belong somewhere. Because in fact, we belong to someone. This is a song of belonging. The world offers you an open road to nowhere. This psalm offers you a road to where you belong to your home look at how the psalm continues i lift my eyes up to the mountains where does my help come from my help comes from the lord the maker of heaven and earth is that not a tiny but brilliant summary of the whole history of humanity and the gospel's answer to it From Adam and Eve, who were exiled from the Garden of Eden, to Cain, to Abraham, to Moses, to the crowds who were like sheep without a shepherd that Jesus had compassion on, all of humanity are wanderers. Where am I going? I'm tired. I want somewhere to belong to. And the answer is, your help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. I said that this pilgrim is going to Jerusalem. He's going to Jerusalem not because he heard about it on the Rest is History podcast, but because he understands that in Jerusalem he will meet this God that calls wanderers to himself. He will meet the living God to whom he belongs. And who is this God? This God is the maker of heaven and earth. The God who calls wanderers to himself established all the paths of the world and the open skies overhead, the heavens and the earth. So any flattering words that the world can offer us about freedom out there cannot compare to the words of welcome that pilgrims will receive at their journey's end when they meet this God who has called them. And you know, if you're a Christian, you can join in with this pilgrim's song too. Because you belong to this God. And you belong with him. Isn't this what Jesus said to his disciples? Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? God has called you to himself in Jesus Christ. And therefore, wherever you go now in this life, you have a place where you belong. And it is being prepared for you by Jesus Christ himself. Driving four hours in the car. Good experience, bad experience. It's a bad experience if I drive four hours in the car doing the loops around the London Orbital. It is a good experience if I drive four hours to Nutsford. I'll tell you why. Because in Nutsford, Immy's, my wife, her parents live. And at the end of a four-hour drive, I know there will be a plate of pasta la vongole waiting for me. <laughs> live your life as if you have a destination. Because you do and you will find the meaning and purpose of your, of your life that you desire if you live with a destination. So, you belong somewhere. We know we have a destination, but what about the hard yards that it takes to get there? How can I make it day to day? Ask the war on drugs. And I think that the answer to that is also in this psalm, because this is not only a song of belonging, this is a song of keeping, too. You will be kept by God along the road. What do you think that runs through the minds of the, uh, of the pilgrims as he stares up to the mountains? Maybe nerves about the terrain. After all, uh, uh, mountains are, are difficult uh, uh, places. Uh, maybe he is uh, fearful of what's lurking in the shadows. Maybe he is thinking of Zion, the mountain of God, that he will see on his approach to Jerusalem. But here again, beauty uh, can be found in poetry because poems take different ideas and capture them into a single image. We might not know exactly what passes through the mind of the pilgrims, but we do feel how difficult and long their their journey will be. And I think it's that that bubble of weary uh, and beleaguered emotion that this pilgrim feels as he asks, where does my help come from? As you think about the rest of your pilgrimage uh, as a Christian, the rest of your life, do you feel the same? Do you see the road stretching out ahead of you? You may be a Christian, you may be a Christian for a long time, you you love Jesus, but you're looking at the next stage of your life. The mountains look bigger, more intimidating, and more unmovable than ever before. Maybe in the workplace, you're not particularly ashamed of speaking for Jesus, you find it quite easy. But your HR department is becoming hotter on employees taking mandatory training that you feel that you can't go to in good conscience. Your colleagues maybe are asking you your opinion about hot topics, and you feel so weak and inarticulate and exposed in the bright light of their questions that you think, how can I do this? How can I keep doing this? Or maybe you feel thrown by life. Maybe circumstances in your life have changed dramatically recently, and you feel that the ground underneath your feet has shifted. Suddenly you're not certain anymore. Maybe scandals in the church, people leaving the faith, and it's not your confidence Your feet are wavering because you don't know if the next step that you will take will be on solid ground. You see, to return to our culture, I just don't think the answer to how can I make it day-to-day is that satisfying, is it? We can go anywhere we want. We can do whatever we want to do with our lives. But that means that all the pressure is on you. Where should I go with my life, we ask our culture. Anywhere you want is the answer. How do I get there, do I ask? That's your problem, says our culture. In contrast, because we belong to this great God, and because pilgrims belong to him, this God, verse 7, will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. He will keep us. This is a song of keeping. The whole of the psalm reinforces that God's watchful eye and guarding presence will be with us on the journey. Read with me. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. Now, I remember one time getting sunburnt. It was very memorable because I got sunburnt in Scotland in a heatwave. At least it was a heatwave for Scotland. And and the next day, I had to drive all the way back down from Glasgow to London in a car with no air conditioning. And it was not fun. (laughs) Pilgrims would not have had to deal with the scorching heat of Scotland. They would have had to deal with the scorching heat of the Middle East. And maybe in your life, You don't feel the heat of sunlight, but you feel the heat of pressure on you from the outside, pushing down on you. Maybe you feel that pressure. Maybe, slightly differently, and something else that the poem evokes, is that inner sense of dread in the depths of the night. Not pressure from outside, but anxiety within the thing that makes you wake up at 3 a.m. in the morning in a sweat with a dry mouth and a stone in the pit of your stomach. Well, whether it's the middle of the night or whether it's in the glare of your day-to-day, God will be with you watching and keeping because he does not slumber or sleep like we do. God will keep you. What does that actually mean? Well, it doesn't mean that pilgrims will never come to harm, does it? Because the pilgrims here are only too aware of what can go, along, uh, go wrong on long journeys. As you think about your life for a moment and the life of people in this community, uh, we can see moments of real suffering, illness, unemployment, relationship breakdown, poor mental health. The Christian life is not a cakewalk. It's not easy. It's difficult. J.C. Ryle said, Conversion is not putting a man in an armchair and taking him to heaven. It's the beginning of a mighty conflict in which it costs much to win the victory. But you know, through those experiences, the psalmist says that God will keep our feet from slipping. God will keep us on the road to this final destination. Nothing, echoing St. Paul, nothing will come between us and the love of God because God watches. In all those circumstances that I've described, God will provide what you need for your pilgrimage because he will be your shade. Maybe not physical shade, but he will be your shade. If your work is putting pressure on you to compromise, or you don't know what to say in the face of questions, if the heat of life is pressing down on you, God will provide the shade of his presence. If you feel your foot slipping on an even ground, or the darkness of the night is pressing in on you, God will give you himself to be himself, to be your sure footing, God is with you on the road. And so whatever your week has been like, and whatever it will be, you can sing this song with us. Because this is a song of God keeping us. Lastly, let me, let me end with this. This is not just a song of keeping. Did you see how the psalm ends? This is a song of keeping forevermore. God's keeping of us will extend beyond this life The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. God will protect our walk with him, our lives. When we leave a place, when we arrive at a place, God will watch over us. But this promise is forevermore. Surely, the world tells us, when we die we leave behind any companions we've journeyed with on the road of our lives. Surely, there is a last going, a last leaving, a last journey into the darkness alone. Surely, the world tells us, there is no one there to watch for us and care for us there. But here again, the Christian faith can provide comfort in the truth and beauty of the gospel. God will watch over us even when our earthly journey is finished, even in death. How do you know that God will watch over you at the end of your journey on earth? There was another pilgrim, wasn't there, who travelled to Jerusalem to celebrate a feast. His path was difficult, and rather than joy of feasting, it ended in betrayal, abandonment, and torture. His eyes were raised to the mountains, and the mountains consumed him, and he went into that undiscovered country from whose born no traveller returns. He went into death. This was Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus would have probably known these songs. He would have made this journey uh, uh, many times before and sung there in Jerusalem with pilgrims. But in his death, Jesus became the culmination of the feasts that he celebrated as a man on earth. He became the sacrifice that those sacrifices pointed to. His body was broken, and as we celebrate communion, we'll received sustenance from his broken body for our earthly pilgrimage. And then, as we say in the creed, three days later, he was raised from the dead, showing pilgrims who follow him that even in death, God watches over them. I don't know where you are in your pilgrimage. Are you far along the road? Or are you just starting out? Let me say this, are you longing for a home? The Lord is preparing a place for you. You belong there, don't forget where you're headed. Are you struggling to take the next step? He will keep you, so keep your eyes fixed on him and don't stop journeying, but do it courageously. Are you nearing the end of your pilgrimage? Here are some wonderful words from J.R.R. Tolkien. Uh, the author of The Lord of the Rings, about journeys that come to their end. Eyes that fire and sword have seen and horror in the halls of stone look at last on meadows green and trees and hills they long have known. That is what the welcome will be when you meet the Lord Jesus. Or to use this psalm, the Lord Will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask that our restless hearts, wanting desperately to be with you, would be sustained today. This week and for the rest of our lives by your watching and keeping hand. We ask that we would endure to the end. And we ask, Father, that when we, be, when we arrive at the end of our journey, uh, we would endure to the end and uh, rejoice with the Lord Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.